What's up, Browns fans? This is Luke from Ireland, and you're listening to the Dogs Podcast. Let's kick this thing off. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Reniker, Zach Kopp, Justin Charles, and Josh All. Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs. Big thank you to Luke from Ireland for that intro. Uh, we're looking to get more of you involved on the show. Uh, so if you'd like to send in your own intro, drop us a voicemail at thedogspodcast.com. Just let us know who you are and where you're from. Uh, speak clearly into the mic and we'll play it for you. It's a lot of fun. Again, thank you, Luke. Uh, today we're going to dive into some team news as well as some free agency news with staff writer for dogsbynature.com, Barry Shuck. Before we get into the episode, though, remember to check us out on Facebook. Please share the episode. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Please remember to like and subscribe on YouTube, as well as tap that notification bell so you know when we drop new episodes. Uh, so like I said, we have a very special guest today, um, staff writer for dogsbynature.com, Barry Shuck. Barry has been a sta- uh, covering the NFL for over 20 years. He's been covering the Browns specifically now for three years, and uh, it's just really good to have you here today, Barry. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks, uh, thanks for the vine. Yeah, uh, why don't you tell, give the fans a little, you know, background how you got into writing NFL, and then more specifically how you got into writing about the Browns. Um, I began writing pro football back in the '90s. Um, I covered uh, football collectibles, and it just kind of morphed into that. I've always had a propensity for history, and I loved pro football growing up. Instead of college. And the reason I did that is because teams stayed together. This was free, a free agency. So you could, you could follow teams. You could follow guys. You know that the center was going to be there for five, seven years. Whereas in college, a lot of times it was one and out, two and out. And I just didn't enjoy that. So I liked pro football. I liked history. And the two just kind of morphed together. And um, that's just how uh, I've, I've got other publications and a, a written a lot for some national publications and of course publications have morphed into websites and um, I ended up uh, writing uh, for a, uh, a giant site called Big Blue View on SB Nation which talks by nature is also a part of SB Nation and, and been, been with them for three years. I'm also a member of the Professional Football Researchers Association which is a, a national group that researches just everything about the history of pro football. That sounds awesome. And you're also you're you're located in Florida, correct? In Pensacola, Florida, how's the Gulf Coast. How's the weather down there? <laughs> it's it's we have it, traditionally two seasons: hot and hotter. <laughs> well, that's better. We usually have four seasons in one day up here in Ohio. So, right. yeah, um, absolutely. Well, hey, we're uh, we're super excited and happy that you could be here with us today. Um, we actually have a couple voicemails from listeners who called in that we wanted to get some of your feedback on. So uh, we'll okay. go ahead and play this for you now. Listener mailbag. <laughs> Got to do a quick shout out to Ken from Ottawa for the uh, <laughs> the dog barking at the end there, right? Pretty good uh, sound bite. All right, so first voicemail comes to us from Derek. Hey, guys, this is Derek, also DF Sports. I wanted to talk about Trevon Morg, the safety out of TCU. 
this is a guy that I'm hearing a lot of buzz as far as an option for Cleveland. I absolutely love him. I think he is the perfect role for what the Browns need. He's an absolutely fantastic coverage safety. Uh, he can play slot corner. Uh, go go look him up. He's he's spectacular. Um, I think the Browns might look to run a four two five a lot this season. And I think this could be a legit option. If you remember last year, the safeties kind of dropped into the top of the second round. Your Winfields, Delpits, and Xavier McKinney, I think you're looking at the same thing this year. And with the Browns getting a few of them extra picks with moving back last year, I could see the Browns sticking at 26, drafting the best defensive end available, trading up into the second round, top of the second round, and drafting Travon Morg. Let me know what you think. I think it would be fantastic, a great fit, and it would clear up things in the safety room for Delpit coming back, as well as Ronnie Harrison and all these guys. Let me know your thoughts. I would love it. All right. Um, what do you guys think? So I, you know, I just had surgery and stuff, so I didn't research this guy. So <laughs> this is on you. <laughs> well, I'll just chime in real quick before we get Barry's take and it. I, I see what Derek's saying about the safeties falling into the second round, kind of like they did last year. But the kind of the mock drafts that I've been looking at and where these analysts have, you know, Trevon Moore projected this year, kind of seems like he's a middle of the first round kind of talent, yeah. kind of a top end safety. <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, getting him at 26 might be a stretch, let alone somewhere high in the second round. Barry, what do you think? Well, I definitely think he'll be the first the safety taken off the board. And he's projected to be late first round. And uh, your reader is right. Um, Joe Woods, the Browns played the 4-2-5, of snaps last year. They played the 4-1-6, 9% of snaps. But here's the thing about playing a 4-2-5. The, the, the two does not necessarily have to be linebackers. It doesn't have to be a, a, a middle line, traditional middle linebacker. A lot of times the middle linebacker is actually a, a Sam, a strong side linebacker, and the other one can be a safety. So if you've got two safeties already on the field and then you need one to play the linebacker position, you need a lot of safeties. Um, I think that uh, there's a ton of pressure on a safety, on understanding pre-snap reads and the movement of the defense to disguise coverages. But that's where um, this kid is weak. He has all the tools to become a top safety with a, a smooth transition from like a, a side pedal type movement to, uh, to an instant acceleration. Um, he's just weak in that aspect. He's a former receiver. He closes well, and he's got a good feel for the anticipation of the ball. But he just lacks the ability to finish on hits and become a better tackler and better at run support. Which I feel like we already have a lot of DBs in our team that are they struggle in the tackling department. So I don't know uh, if that's a good fit. But like you, you know, does he show? Does he flash the ability to improve on those things, or do you think it's more of a you know a lost a lost cause? Well, everybody will improve once they get in the training camp and they get professional uh, coaches. But I think a, a great safety to take would be in round three with Andre Sisco of of Syracuse. He ran a four point three three forty, 
So his closing speed is, is spot on. But here's another thing. If you look at what Ant, uh, General Manager Andrew Barry does with his players, he will spend money on skill position, defensive line, and cornerbacks. And that's it. He's not going to take a safety in the first round and pay first-round money. Last year, he paid uh, Andrew Sandejo uh, $2.25 million. He paid Carl Joseph $2.5 million. That's nothing. And those were his two projected starters. He drafted Grant Delpit in the second round, and the second round is a premium position. First and second round are premium draft picks. They want every opportunity for Delpit to come back and win that starting position because they spent a lot of money and they spent a lot of research and they picked him high. I think that their their MO is to put Harrison and Delpit together, then bring in a veteran at, at low money uh, and somebody that they're not going to spend a whole lot of money on. Um, people have talked about uh, – Harris out of Minnesota coming in. I just don't see them spending $14 million a year on a, a veteran safety. Now, you can bring in somebody like Keno Neal of the Atlanta Falcons or uh, Jarkistic Tart of the 49ers, and then he can, and Barry can pay them $2.5 million as a veteran presence. So you bring in a low dose safety. You got Delpit and Harrison, then you got Sheldrick Redwine, who's a good coverage guy, but he can't tackle his grandma. <laughs> right. And there's your <laughs> there's your safety room. Yeah, I, I, I just I just don't see GM Barry spending a premium draft choice on a safety, especially you know one year removed from like you said doing it last year with Delpit, right? And I think Delpit gets forgotten about a lot because he didn't play. And then I, I if I'm not mistaken. Um, the Bucks took Antoine Winfield Jr. one pick after we took Delpit. Was that right? I think something like right. that. Right. So, and Who I made think, the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I and mean, I right. think everybody saw how Winfield played, especially toward the end of the year through the playoffs, and especially in the Super Bowl. It was like, that that kid is the real deal. And then we're sitting there like, oh, but we took Delpit right before him. But we never saw him play. So what if he's mm-hmm. even 75% of what Winfield is? That's awesome. No, I right. agree. Right. I th- and I think I got high hopes for Delpit as long as – the injury history doesn't become a consistent thing. Right. Because, I mean, the dude was an absolute stud in, what, 2018? Mm-hmm. And then even playing yeah, injured in 2019, he was still good. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so we'll, we'll definitely have to dive some more into the draft talk. Um, actually, uh, our next voicemail from Luke brings up another another question about the draft. How are we doing, boys? I just wanted to talk real quick about that first-round pick we have. Personally, at 26, I don't think there's anyone defensively that helps us immediately. I I think there's nothing we got to do but trade that pick away. It'd be fantastic if we got somewhere this year, but we're in trouble next year. The few players we got to sign, having two first round picks next year could be a big help to us. Let me know what you boys think. So Luke sounds like he's really thinking future, you know, and, and with the players like he said that we would have to resign next year. And I, I see what he's saying about having an extra first round pick, but is there any guarantee you're getting a first round pick next year for this year's twenty six? No, and to me, there's so many. There's so much need on our defense that I just can't see us trading back. You know, it's not like the defense was was stout. We we need to improve the defense. So I, I look for us to stay there. Um, do you think we trade back Barry at 26, or do you think we stay there and take you know best available edge rusher or something like that? 
Yeah, I, I think their needs are I, – I think in the first two rounds, you're going to see cornerback and edge rusher go off the board. And in the first round, I know J.C. Horn of South Carolina did not play last year. He opted out. But that guy is a coverage guy. He's, he's kind of thin, and he's not the tallest guy. But he's just a stud coverage. He's all over the place. And then as far as edge rusher, uh, Miami Gregory Rousseau, or I tell you somebody I really like is George's Aziz uh, Audulary. Now, he's undersized. I think he's like 260. If he put on 20 pounds, he'd be, he'd be great. But that guy is a pass rusher. And with the first and second round, you have got to hit on those guys. And Andrew Barry will spend money on defensive line, and he'll spend money on cornerback. And I just think that those first two rounds are going to be dedicated to those to those two positions. Now, what I'd like to see him take is Zayvon Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. That guy's a stud. That guy's a tackling machine. But Barry just – what he's done so far, he just doesn't put emphasis on linebacker. I'd love to see – and that's my hope. If I do a mock draft myself, I'm putting Zayvon Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa, number one. And that would, I think he'll be there. But if you look at what Andrew Berry has spent money on, he brought in B.J. Goodson, who was a cast-off from the Giants, cast-off from the backers. Um, look at Mac Wilson. Look at Taki Taki. Neither one of those are NFL starting caliber players. He signed Malcolm Smith late, who was a, a reject and a cast-off. And uh, look at Joe Schubert, fourth-rounder led the, the Browns in tackling three out of three years. His, his rookie contract uh, wound up. He was going to need big money. He let him go. So I I think the first round and the second round, if they just stand pat, that you'll see a cornerback and an edge rusher going off the board. Yeah, I, yeah, I liked your take there on Zayvon Collins from what I've read. You know, won the Nagurski Award for, you know, best – defensive player you know voted last year so i like that i really like that pick too so i'm glad that you mentioned his name i I don't understand too i'm with uh i understand like the analytics part of football says maybe middle linebacker isn't you know the highest need on your defense and you know we're definitely an analytics driven organization but at some point after like years and years of watching the Browns not be able to stop the run, not be able to cover any of these tight ends, anything like that. You'd think you'd, we'd be putting a little bit of value on that middle linebacker position. You would think, but look at what, what he signed all these players for. All these players are third, fourth, and fifth rounders. Right. Goodson, Goodson was a fourth rounder. Malcolm Smith was, a, I think he was a seventh rounder. Now, he ended up being a Super Bowl MVP, but he was a seventh rounder. Uh, Taki Taki taken in the third round. Uh, Mac Wilson was a fifth round. It looked last year with Jacob Phillips, third round. Um, why would you let your, your leading tackler sign with another team? He let Joe Schubert go because he was ready for that big money contract. And uh, we only have one year of history to look at what Andrew Berry's M.O. is as far as putting this roster together and he spends low money on linebackers and if you're only playing a 4-2 most of the time anyway you only need two linebackers on the field and if one of them is not an actual linebacker but a safety that means you only need one good linebacker at all times do you think that's going to 
Um, how do you see, you know, real quick, Jacob Phillips? We thought he showed glimpses last year of, you know, potential, what he could maybe be one day. Do you see him kind of taking on that role and kind of stepping to the forefront? He's a true middle linebacker. He, uh, in high school, he was Mr. Football. He was a finalist for the the best linebacker in the nation, uh, which is a, a Buckus Award. Um, he was a five A, a five star recruit, um, and he played for the best defense in college and for the best team in the in the land, LSU. And I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna work in. I think you'll see him starting this year. Blake's favorite draft pick from right. last season. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and he's fast. He's real fast. Yes, I think we were impressed with what we saw at the end of the season. The way he kind of made some strides. He was one of the only linebackers to me that really popped off the film he is, ever. Yeah. For good Absolutely. for good reasons, other right. than Mac Wilson missing tackles. <laughs> yeah. And and late in the season I was watching the game in a sports bar and um somebody said, Who's that number fifty? Because yeah. you didn't see him in the first part of the year because right. he was a rookie. But once players started getting hurt and once he started playing, I thought Malcolm Smith was a, a good player. Yeah. Um I I I would love to see them just re-sign him and let the other ones go. But you take Mac Wilson, uh, you take Taki Taki, both of them regress. Both of them do not look like starting uh, linebackers. Although, thank you, Taki Taki, for the interception in the Steelers game. (laughs) He will always be in Brown's hearts forever. Yep. But he's just not a and, – and both of those players miss a lot of tackles. Now, Schubert missed a lot of tackles, but he made a lot of tackles. Yeah, right. tackling was a big issue last season. Big issue. Yeah. So it's so interesting th- – go ahead, Barry. I'm sorry. I, I, I see I see Jacob Phillips as, as – I think he'll go in, in camp to compete for the starting job, and I think there's a good chance that he'll he'll make it. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's interesting you say about Barry not wanting to spend big money on linebackers because I know we're about to move into a free agent preview with you and we're going to be talking about some of those potential linebackers or signings and contracts. But before we do that... Yeah, before we get into that free agency preview, we want to remind you guys about our partnership with Manscaped. There's nothing nothing worse than a poorly groomed dog. If you don't believe me, ask your spouse. That's why we've partnered with Manscaped to bring all you dogs the best below-the-belt grooming products in the business. Use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, on manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping. Pick up your lawnmower 3.0 or your Perfect Package 3.0 and turn that team in your pants around with Manscaped. Yeah, remember 96% of partners think bad grooming's a major turnoff. So, um, you know, their products are really good um and they have a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you're thinking that you're not wanting to pull the trigger and you don't want to spend the money you know you can get your money back if you don't end up liking their product but uh we can we can all speak from uh, experience here that you're gonna like the products yeah and if you know you you order your stuff you get it send us a picture we'll throw your uh we'll throw send your us photo. a picture of the stuff yeah of the right. products yeah not right. in use not in use <laughs> you know just right. throw us a picture you know with your kit no befores and afters we'll throw We're it good. up on the uh the social media page we had uh, somebody sending a picture this week we threw it up there and it's been a lot of fun so manscape.com promo code dogs d-a-w-g-s <laughs> Free agency preview. All right, so it's like the Wild West out there, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. 
Okay, Barry. So, you know, the, the first thing I want to talk about, you know, I guess he's not, he's not a free agent, but it's definitely one of the bigger, you know, Browns news this offseason. You know, quarterback Baker Mayfield, the Browns are, you know, in a situation where do we, do we offer him an extension or do we just pick up that fifth-year option? What do you think the Browns should do? Or at least, you know, where do you, where do you think their head's at in that situation? Well, how many quarterbacks have the Browns had since they became the new Browns in 1999? The, the Browns have finally found a quarterback. Now, the beginning of last year, everybody was wondering, is Mayfield really the guy? And halfway through the season, up until Odell got hurt, people were saying, well, if he didn't finish out the season, we don't have a winning season. We should just be looking elsewhere. But the dude can play. And the dude is the, the franchise quarterback of this team going forward. How many coaches have they gone through? We finally found a coach. We finally found a quarterback. And once Andrew Berry solved the offensive line, then if anybody has played offense, you know that the offensive line is everything to do with the, the offense itself. So why not extend him? You know you're going to keep him. Why put him on that fifth-year uh, option and pay him low dough why not just go ahead and extend him? I fully expect him to have something. And when you look at your con- his contract, most players are going for like a four-year contract. I think you have to look at not the top quarterbacks and what they're making. I think you have to look at his draft class. So you've got Josh Allen. You've got Lamar Jackson. What are they going to make? And I think you have to kind of slide him into those three because all three of them are going to make bank all at the same time. Right. Do you think um, Do you think if we throw a bunch of money at Baker, do you think that you know you see these teams that throw a lot of money at their quarterback and then the, the rest of the roster kind of suffers? Do you think that's, you know, is Baker inclined to, I don't want to say take like a, a low ball offer, but something that allows us to keep the talent around him? No, he's going to make his money, and it, and it's unfair to him to offer him anything else. I think he'll probably slide into something similar to what Re- Russell Wilson did, um, like a hundred and forty on a, a million on a four year contract, thirty five million a year, maybe uh, a hundred and seven of that guaranteed, maybe with a sixty five million dollar signing bonus somewhere in that neighborhood, but if you're going to have a franchise quarterback, you got to pay him. Look what happened to Dak Prescott this week. Right. Uh, Mahomes, kind of, Mahomes set the bar. Um, but even these young guys like Jared Goff and, and Carson Wentz, they extended them early. They went ahead and paid them and said, okay, this is who we want. And what, what's weird is both of those, those players were with other teams. But I think you need to go ahead and, and say, you're our guy. You, you know, we want to pay you, and uh, he's not going to work any less. Do you believe he'll work uh, less or and lay down, or you think he's just going to continue on and improve? Uh, I think he's going to continue to improve. You know, I was, I was a huge Baker guy when we drafted him, and then after year two, coming into year three, I was, I said this was a prove it year for me for Baker. And I'll be Certainly. honest, you know, maybe six, seven games into that season, I was still questioning whether he was the guy, but then I feel yeah. like 
he really kind of it just something clicked. And, you know, whether it's he just all of a sudden he got more comfortable in the offense, you know, it was his fourth in the offense in three years or whatever. Um, but I thought the way he played down the stretch showed the kind of quarterback he can be. And I think a full offseason um, in the same system for the first time in his career is only going to help him. Absolutely. And and you look at, at some of the games that he pulled out. Remember the second Bengals game where, he, where the, the Bengals came back and they were on top? We had a huge lead. Yep. lost it the Bengals came back and then he threw that touchdown to Donovan Peoples Jones <laughs> that kind of proves that he's the guy right yeah that was one of those like career defining <clears throat> plays where you just it happened and you will never forget it it just he, I mean he wasn't losing that game no to me too what I think some people don't think is the Browns defense was awful last year so Baker Absolutely. had a ton of pressure on him to go out and Essentially, yeah, he he knew he had to put up thirty points if the Browns, you know, won to win that game, and you know that's a lot of pressure. And in years past, I think you would have seen Baker pressing because he knew he had to make those throws, and that's where we saw the interceptions. And last year, even though he felt that pressure to score thirty a game, he he let the game come to come to him, and he threw what one interception the last eight games or something like that. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, Mm -hmm. yeah. So and and he. And he, he's just going to get better in Stefanski's system. Stefanski's got a great system. Look at how he has Baker roll out. He doesn't roll out to his right, and he's a right-handed thrower. He rolls out to his left and throws across his body. How weird is that? But it works. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested, like you said, about the draft class and those quarterbacks that need to be signed. Um and seeing, you know, where those or how, who gets signed first, you know, who's going to get that, who's it getting extended first in that class. Um, and I don't know if a GM, as a GM, if I would want to wait to see, you know, what one of them is making before I did my deal or if I wanted to set the market, you know, before. What, what would you, what were your thoughts beyond that? Do you think that you want to be the guy, you know, you want to give Baker the money first before the other two or opposite? I would I would do it first because Lamar's going to break it. I think Lamar's going to go somewhere around. I think he's going to ask for 170 million on a four year deal, and I think he's going to get it. Yeah. So if you go ahead and sign Baker to 140 million at 35 million a year, then it doesn't matter what Lamar makes. Right. Okay. Because yeah, once Lamar comes out and makes his money, then then does Baker say well? You know, we made the playoffs. We right. had the first winning. You're going to pay a guy who can't throw the ball, um. <laughs> right? Yeah, but you can't stop Lamar and his legs. So, yep, no. um, so I I would extend him. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna pay him money. You're gonna pay Baker money anyway. Why go cheap on a fifth year? Reward him and say, look, you're our guy. This is how we are. This is the money here. And, and let him go for it. Yeah. I was going to say, too, about Baker, something interesting I ran across the other day, and I just pulled up some comparisons here. So let's do a good benchmark for Baker. Let's put him up against the GOAT. I don't know if you guys saw this comparison. Baker's first yeah, three seasons versus Tom Brady's first three, not his rookie year because he only played one game. So as in, in comparison between these two, Baker has more yards. Tom Brady had 10,200. Baker's got 11,000. Passing touchdowns, Brady had 69. Uh, Baker's got 75. In interceptions, Brady had 38. Baker has 43, so only five more. And then the uh, the QB rating, 
Uh, Brady was 86. Baker's 89.1. And there's one other... Where's that other stat I saw here? Well, I can't find it. I'll, I'll tell you when I find it. But, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean... Just numbers to numbers. So off the top of my head, I think that the, the game's very different nowadays. Uh, people throw the ball a lot more, so I expect them to have. It was completion percentage, okay. 61.9 both. So wow. the, the, the thing that surprised me the most is when you said that he only had five more interceptions than Tom, especially after his second season yep. when he threw all those picks. 20, right? Yeah. I expected him to you know be a lot higher than Tom. So it's almost like we blew year two out of proportion. Like, yes, it was bad, but... You know, it was almost like that was the anomaly. I think so. What, what do you think about all that, Barry? Well, a lot of times it's the system. I mean, he played in Freddie Kitchens, and I, I don't, you know, I don't, Freddie Kitchens had, what, half a year as an offensive coordinator before he came now head coach? Right. It, it, it's hard to call plays. It's hard to know what's going on at all times on the field, down and in, in distant and um, you know, what the score is and what you need to do and wind conditions and temperature and what kind of defense you're playing. And um, it's hard to do all that. But once they saw the offensive line, that was 90% of, of, of Baker's problems. He was running for his life, and now he's not. Um, they uh, Somebody did a poll. I think it was the athletic of their readership of the top 10 offensive linemen the Browns had three listed in that in that poll, three out of ten. That's so the system and the protection. He's got a fullback now. He's got good blocking tight ends, and, um, and you know, and the running game. You got to uh, respect the running game, and so all of that has changed since the Freddie Kitchens era. No, I completely agree. So you know. So you say, you know, we need to go ahead and extend Baker. Then I want to kind of transition into this next guy I want mm-hmm. to talk about. Do I know you wrote an article on this. Do we keep one of his, you know, one of his top weapons? Do we keep Odell or do we try to move him? Well, I, I think with his injury, that kind of forces you to keep him because traditionally a, a, a knee, he hurt his left knee, an ACL injury requires about, 12 months. Now, with today's medical technology, uh, and I've seen uh, Twitter uh, videos of Odell working his ass off, mm-hmm. I think he could probably shave a couple of games off. So what are we talking about? Game five, him coming back, game six, game four. So if you trade him, you're trading him to a team that knows that he's not going to do any offseason He's not going to do any OTAs. He's not going to do any training camp. He's not going to do any preseason. And then he's going to be down for the first five games. So he's got zero reps with his new team, his new system, his new quarterback, um, you know, all of that. So you're trading him to a team like that. And then a large portion of Beckham's salary for the upcoming season is already guaranteed before he suffered the ACL. So the remainder of his, his contract becomes fully guaranteed, I think, on March the 20th. So if you add up his base salary of $14.5 million, then you add in um, the million-dollar roster bonus and the 250000 workout bonus, the total comes to $15.75 million for the upcoming season. Well, that's not unreasonable 
figure for a team that believes that Odell is still the number one receiver and a stud receiver in the league. So if the Browns were interested in moving on, it's hard to see that another team would be willing to work out a deal while not knowing how how Beckham will respond from, you know, his latest injury. No, you know, I never even, you know, I never really thought about it in terms like that, like how a team would be looking at it that was going to be getting him, knowing that he's going to be missing all that time. Um, I'm in the, you know, even if there's no injury, I'm in the keep Odell because I want to see, I want to see him play with this confident, you know, this confident Baker, a Baker that I don't think we've seen in, with Odell at any point in his career. Um, do you think they can make it work, or do you think they just don't have that chemistry? Well, there, there are numbers that say that the offense flourished after after Beckham went down, but look at the Dallas game. Uh, Odell scored three touchdowns against the Cowboys, including the game winner. Remember, yeah, it, remember the end around for the touchdown? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's so hard to compare, and, you know, and and we've done this. I know we. I said plenty of times that the offense looked way better after Odell went down. But how much of that was the absence of Odell, and how much of that was just the passage of time, and everybody getting more comfortable in the system, running the offense, more confident. You know, would would we have been even better with Odell as time went on? Exactly. And then look at the offensive line. You brought in two new tackles. Uh, Wyatt Taylor uh, Teller was in and out, so you had a, a guy that would fill in for him. And the offensive line just gelled. And so that's a factor with, with, uh, with Mayfield and his progression during the season. Um, also learning the system. But, you know, there's going to be a number of teams with salary cap space to absorb Odell's uh, contract, that's going to be very limited by the time he's ready to be healthy. That's one factor. I think another factor is is hope. I think the hope is is that Odell will go back to showing his Pro Bowl hardware that he did with the New York football giants, and then he will finally, with Cleveland, become that stud, amazing star once again. One thing I wanted to ask you, so I've always been a, a, a defender of Odell, these people who say that he's a distraction. Do you see that, or do you see that as more of a, a media thing where everything he does is just amplified? Well, he was a distraction in New York, and he was probably young, and and if, if somebody gave me $20 million a year, I don't know what I would have done at, at 22, 23, 24. But what has he been in distraction while he's been in Cleveland? Uh, that's what I I've been screaming from the rooftops. <laughs> yeah, I, he's 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 proposed to you know inanimate objects while he was in New York. <laughs> but exactly what has he been a distraction? All his teammates love him. They absolutely love him. They love his work ethic. He's best friends with Jarvis Landry. Um, I, you know, he grew up. That that is one thing that I, with the work, you know, the uh, rehabbing workouts and everything, it really seems like this guy is dedicated and determined. focused. Yeah, determined. Right, it's a great word for it because he just. And the thing is, I think that was a big deal. A lot of reports out of New York was he just wanted to win, and that's where a lot of his, I guess, you know, anger and unrest came from. Yeah, yeah, because they weren't I winning in New York. I think he's determined to prove that he is still that guy. 
No, I, I'd I, love to see it. Yeah. I mean, that would be, can you imagine? I mean, could you imagine like this offense with Pro Bowl Odell Beckham Jr.? I, w- I was saying that in that Chiefs game. It didn't look like any of our receivers could get separation. And I thought we were really missing Odell in that playoff game against the Chiefs. Now, it turns yeah, out they were just holding all day and then <laughs> in the Super Bowl they got called for. It. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, right. And that's, that's going to be the big question is, is he going to still have his speed and his elusiveness? Is he going to lose any of that? Uh, a knee injury is, is nothing to, you know, that's a serious, serious thing. And especially for receivers and cornerbacks to have knee injuries that, that and running backs, that's, that's kind of crippling. And usually they lose a step. But I think losing a step with the old Odell that we saw with the football giant is better than, you know, three quarters of the receivers in the league. And plus, if you do decide to turn him and trade him, his progression in his production numbers in Cleveland has just declined. When he got hurt, he had, I think, 313 yards. Well, if he would, and that was game seven, if he'd gone through the year, he would have had less than 900 yards for the season. That would have been two years in a row that he's under 1,000 yards and missed the Pro Bowl. So even if you did decide to trade him, what would you get for him? That's they right. traded. They traded the first and a third. And then they traded a first round pick in Jabril Pepper. So basically, they traded two first and a third for him. Would they get a third round pick for him? If you're lucky, a I second, think. Mm-hmm. A second and a fifth. Yeah, I know. So I was going to say, Barry, Barry, I saw in your article here you you had a poll at the end, and I was just going to read some of these stats out real quick. The leading number was thirty six percent of the poll. Voters said, "Finish, let him finish out his rehab and then let him play. And then you had True. 30% that said trade him for draft picks, but you also had 19% that said keep him, use him, we need him, which kind of goes hand in hand with that 36% of the people that said finish rehab and let him play. Right. Well, you know, it, it's hard to buy high and sell low. Yeah. And I think that's what, I think what Andrew Berry, I think his best bet is, is to let him come back, let him play, Hopefully, he'll be that bright star once again. He'll be what everybody's talking about. He'll make the Pro Bowl in a shortened season, and then he'll have increased value. Right now, he's got limited value. So why would you buy high and sell low? He's damaged goods. Let him play. Let him shine. Let him try to get back. If he's determined, let him hit the field. Uh, The offense needs him. Um, if Donovan Peoples Jones can can progress, I think they're going to re-sign Marvin Hall, who's a speecher. If they re-sign uh, Richard Higgins, um, and, you know Jarvis Landry, you've got a good receiving core. Right. All right. Well, that's that's a great topic to kind of transition into. Are we going to re-sign Richard Higgins? They should. Can they? <laughs> they absolutely money wise. Um, I guess does it does it, it make sense? Is that something that Andrew Barry you think based on his past, you know, signings and the way that he does things? Is this something that you think he would do? Well, he made nine hundred ten thousand. That was his cap number last year. I think he could sign for a little bit more this year. Um, I I think they could sign him for two three million a year. Sign him on a two year contract. He proved his worth. Do you think and, you know when Ode- when Odell went down, that's that's who we looked at. He's 
he doesn't have blazing speed and he doesn't have elite measurables. Um, but he's a player who's typically produced well when he's been given an opportunity for a bigger role. And he's got a knack for getting open. Yep. Yeah, he does. I mean, so the I guess what point in his market value do we, are we in on him and and at what point are we out? You know what I mean? Like is there a certain is there a certain number say another team offers him that we're like we're just not willing to go that high on Higgins? Yeah, and of course him and his his agent will decide that, but I I don't think there's going to be a huge market for him. He um he did have huge numbers. He didn't play a whole lot. Uh, before Odell got hurt, and then after Odell got hurt, he was the number two guy. So you take seven or six games away, and you've got the remainder of the season. That was his numbers right there because he had very few targets before Odell got hurt. So he doesn't have a full season. And um, he... From week 7 to 17, he was the 28th-ranked wide receiver out of 146 uh, receivers that played 100 snaps. Well, that, that's pretty good. But from week 1 to week 7, he was un, an unknown factor. He was just somebody that was sitting on the bench. Yeah, well, and one thing for me, and I don't know how, what you guys think, but I feel like there's a little silver lining, and Barry mentioned it earlier, Donovan Peoples-Jones in that receiving core. I think whatever, however this thing shakes out, I think snagging him in the sixth round last year was a steal for what he showed. He showed flashes of a very competent receiver as a rookie who was not expected to you know, have that kind of responsibility year one. Right, yeah, and I know that, I mean, we went back and we did one of our first episodes last year was draft, you know, recap you know it's kind of when we first started and a lot of people weren't big on Donovan Peoples-Jones um and really experts didn't have him ranked very high either but I mean I keep going back to Urban Meyer at Ohio State you know he wasn't coaching Ohio State anymore but he said you know this guy's got first round talent he's just got to be you know put in the right system and he's got to put the work in um and we saw glimpses of that last year so hopefully another year in the system another year with professional coaching um He'll take that next step. Yeah, and back to Higgins, you know, he's only 26. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the, our receivers are relatively young. So, I mean, that's yeah. mm-hmm. – I think we're in a good situation. Yeah, and one of the big things that I – I mean, I think that we've talked about it here on the podcast is just you can see that relationship between Higgins and Baker. Like, they just have a that chemistry on the field of Higgins has an act of getting open and Baker in his timing – is almost better than anybody that we have when Higgins and him are clicking on the yeah. field. So. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give you a stat number. When Baker threw in the direction of Higgins, he had a quarterback rating of 126.1. Wow. All right. That's pretty good. So to me, that begs the question then, you know, you're, we bring Odell back. We're, you know, obviously going to bring Jarvis back. How do we get Higgins more involved um, in this offense, because obviously, you know, that's a guy that, you know, that brings out the best in Baker. Yeah, that's a good question because Stefanski loves to run two and three tight end sets. Right. So when you bring a, a third tight end, that means you're sitting in a receiver. Um, I don't, I don't have the answer for that. I don't know. I'm, I don't think they'll go bring, uh, Cadell Hodge back. 
Uh, he gets hurt too much, and I think People's Jones is is going to take his place. But Higgins could be that number three guy. I put Odell in the slot and put Higgins and and Landry on the outside. But you know the the Browns love to run and they love those tight ends on the field. So I I don't know. I don't see him him making a thousand yards, but I think I see him being a key contributor. And I think. Uh, Barry will sign him not to a one-year deal like he did last year. I think he'll go two, three years because he proved it's worth going down the stretch last year. And uh, him and Mayfield just connect. But getting him on the field, I don't know. I, I th- don't know. I think it'll be interesting, too. Like you said, we're not expecting Odell back, you know, week one, you know, earliest, you know, maybe week five, week six. So at least that first month of the season, Higgins, you know, most likely he's going to play a pivotal role and I don't think you want to go into the season with just Jarvis and then Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, you don't want to start no. the season one and four, two and three, because you're waiting on Odell to come back. So I think Higgins yep. could play a vital role in that first month, month and a half of the season before Odell comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, it's about time we transition to the other side of the ball and talk about some much-needed help. What do you guys think? I mean, that defense was... It was atrocious. <laughs> So, yeah. are there any, you know, I'm just kind of open-ending this for you, you know, who, you know, who's the best defensive free agents out there that make sense for the Browns? And I think, you know, as people are struggling with this salary cap, there's a chance more people are going to come on the market that we're not expecting because I think cuts are going to continue. But is there anybody out there that you kind of have your eye on that you think would make a ton of sense for the Browns? Um, As far as what position? Uh, Okay, so... Do you think Olivier Vernon's on this team next year? No. So no. then, uh, he, okay, go ahead. He, he, you know, he's he's on the other side of thirty. He, uh, he, he's got an injury history. When he played for the Football Giants, he had a he was their best pass rusher, but he was always hurt. He only he only played thirteen games. Now he had nine sacks last year, but the year before with the Browns, he only had three point five. So you're paying him fifteen million, which he they ask him to renegotiate his contract. He only got paid eleven million last year, but the year before he's paid fifteen million. He's overpaid and he didn't he's not really good against the run. So he's strictly a pass rusher. Um I I think they're gonna I think Andrew Berry last year in free agency, right off, Andrew Berry signed Jack Conklin the tackle, and then Austin Hooper, the tight end. I think that's going to be his operation this year. He's going to sign a stud uh, pass rusher and then a second player that everybody's going to go, oh, wow, maybe a cornerback. Um, and I think who they could get for cheap who could prove his worth is Bud Dupree from uh, the Steelers. That's who I was, that's who I was going to bring up. Wouldn't that now, just be a lot of, awesome? <laughs> yes, <It'd be> so <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Now he got hurt last year, but when he came out of Kentucky, he was just a stud pass rusher. He was a first round pick. Um, you're taking something away from a division opponent, but I think you can get him on a one year deal for about ten million, and then let him do a prove it. Yep. Because uh, the Steelers decided to let him walk because T.J. Watt is going to need a, a huge contract. And they kind of 
were in a rock and a hard place situation. And they said, well, this guy's hurt. He's kind of underproduced. But um, uh, he's a sack artist. Yeah, now, who I'd like to see, who I'd like to see them uh, sign is Shaquille Bar- uh, Barrett from the 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 Buccaneers. Now he's not going to be a cheap guy, though. When Tampa tagged the linebacker David uh, uh, Levante David, they couldn't keep all their players. Uh, Barrett only 20, uh, 28 years old. Now he's a little light, 250 pounds, but he's been in the league seven years. But he had eight sacks. He was number six in pressures with 42. Think about it, 42 pressures. He was number one in the league in hurries at 24. And um, just recently, in 2019, he had 37 quarterback hits and 19.5 sacks in one season. And he's only twenty eight. Yeah, I love I love both those guys you mentioned. I mean, if we get one of them, like I, uh, you know, Shaq Barrett, I think, you know, he's probably getting a longer deal. I agree with you, like Bud Dupree, you give him one year, you see, you know, how's he look off of his injury, um, and then you get kind of go from there. But I mean, either one of those guys on our defense to go with Miles Garrett on the other side is huge upgrade from what we had last year. Look at the Steelers' defense when Bud Dupree got hurt. I know other mm-hmm. guys got injured too, but even T.J. Watt wasn't the same factor once Bud Dupree got injured. You know, and so if he could bring that same kind of you know X factor to our defense, I think it would do a wonder for Miles Garrett on the other side of him. Absolutely, and I think the groundwork has been laid for a stud edge rusher to come in. You think about it, they, they talked to J.J. Watt. They actually offered him a two-year deal at $12 million a year. Of course, he signed a two-year deal for $31 million total. Uh, they re-signed Port Augustine for depth, Joe Jackson for depth. Then, in a shocking move to me, they cut Adrian Claiborne, who I thought had a great second half. I think they're laying the groundwork for they're going to sign a left defensive end that's going to be big money. Now, Clay, uh, now Shaq Barrett would probably need about sixty-eight to seventy million on a four-year deal. Uh, you know, seventeen million a year. He's not going to come cheap. But you think about it, like you said, Miles Garrett on one side, Shaq Barrett on the other side. Who do you double block? Who do you double team? No. Right, and I think if you see these these top defenses in the league, what do they all have in common is they can get pressure with four guys. Mm-hmm. They don't have yes. to blitz. Yep. So I think you yep. you got to stack that defensive line. You got to have two edge rushers because if if you can get pressure with four guys and you can drop seven, I mean you you can completely stifle an offense if you can do that. And that kind of goes into your yep. prediction here, Barry. So we're talking about getting the pressure at the quarterback. Who's that? Who's that? Oh, signing that you were talking about? Maybe like a cornerback. You have any names there? Um, no, I I don't think I do. Okay, uh, I I don't I don't know, but I just I I think Barry's going to sign two guys to huge contracts, and then he'll probably sign about a dozen guys all together. Um, they wouldn't. I I know he'll probably sign a veteran safety. Um, he'll probably sign a a, a swing tackle. Um, and I I don't. 
and, and you know linebackers. He's definitely going to need some linebackers. He'll bring some linebackers in. He'll probably draft one in the third, fourth round. Um, there's a another kid from LSU named Cox that had a great senior bowl, phenomenal senior bowl. He'd be great in the third round. And um, but cornerbacks, I I don't know. I really don't know. I'm trying to but, think of some of the cornerback names I've seen mentioned with the Browns. I, I see uh, Troy Hill from the Rams. I know I've I've read a couple things about Patrick Peterson from the Cardinals. I don't know. He's 31. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. You know, um, some of these other guys. Richard Sherman, I don't think that's going anywhere. Those are some early rumors. Um, Brian Poole from the Jets. So Yeah, Hill, Hill from the Rams would be perfect. Okay, Troy Hill. And, it, and it's, not out, it's not out of the question for them to try to make a deal with the Saints um, to get their their starting uh, their starting quarterback. Lattimore. Uh, now that's Mark, something, yeah, yeah that Lattimore. is interesting. And when I saw that rumor pop up, what we do you were think, all kind of like, okay. What do you think it would take to get to get him? Because the Saints are in trouble cap-wise. Yes, they are, big so time. So that plays into the Browns' uh, favor. Do we have to? Would you think we'd have to give up Greedy to get Lattimore? Well, I think they'd want draft picks. I, I think they'd want. I I think to get Lattimore, you'd have to do something like a first and a third or a first and a fourth, because he he's starting material. But you think about the Saints that that draft class of 2017 that Lattimore was in. They had to tackle Ramsey Jack and Marcus Williams, and then Alvin Kamara. All that came out of the same draft. That's a pretty good draft pick in there. So, I mean, is this something <laughs> where we could see, you know, say we get to draft night in April and, you know, the 26th pick comes up and there's not the defensive player there that we're looking for. Maybe we do try to swing a deal. Would that be like a draft night deal? It would. It okay. would. That's interesting because, like, if like you're saying, if we do make that big signing, you know, for the pass rusher and maybe another secondary big signing for the cornerback spot, you know, maybe we do get to 26 in the draft, and it's like, well, you know, there's there's not that crop here that we're looking for, and then if that deal's on the table, I mean, how do you not do that? No, I I would love that. I do know, yeah, two positions on the field that you never can have enough of that are elite, and that is. Pass rushers and cornerbacks. Boy, did we find that out last season? Jeez, yeah, that's the truth. So even if they've got and they sign big name guys, there's no reason why they shouldn't go ahead and draft a good edge rusher or a cornerback and just throw them into the mix and just let it wash out. However, it does. Yeah, I like that. I like the position the Browns are in this offseason. I feel like, you know, we really showed last year that we have made not just some strides, like some huge leaps and bounds from the year before. And I think we're just a couple big pieces away from being legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, I agree. 100% agree. Barry, do you, you know, before we wrap this up, do you see any needs on the offensive side of the ball for the Browns, or do you think this offseason is going to be strictly defense? Well, I wrote an article about why not just take all nine picks and draft defense. And then I went round by round. Um, I think on offense, the most glaring need is kicker and also a backup tackle, a swing tackle. They're going to have a bunch of guards coming back from the opt-out. 
And so that's going to be taken care of. And then you got Nick Harris, who can play guard. He was a fifth rounder last year. He can also play backup center. You've got that. And then you've got the, the kid Hans who went in for one game, introduced himself to Baker in the, in the, in the <laughs> locker room. They re, mm-hmm. they re-signed him to a two year deal. Oh, good. I, okay. I tell you what, mm-hmm. I was so impressed with the way he handled that situation. Yeah, we, we actually had a postseason's award show, and we had an unsung hero, and he was one of the top uh, vote-getters just because people appreciated Absolutely. the fact that he could be working out in a parking garage before the game and then yeah. come in and somehow know the audibles. Right. Yeah, it reminded me of that commercial where where the, the cook is cooking and, and the bass player uh, hurt his hand or couldn't play, and the guy from the kitchen came and started playing bass for the band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so... so- Definitely but seems like but as far as uh, as far as backup tackle, um, uh, there's a, a player for the Steelers named Matt Feeler. He's 28 years old. He's six six, three thirty. He's very versatile. He has played not only both sides of the ball, but he has played uh, both guard and tackle. Even though he's 330 pounds, hmm. um, he's still a young guy. He's not a starter. Uh, so I think they can get him maybe for like um, a two-year deal, maybe $5 million a year, play backup tackle. And then you've got Chris Hubbard coming back. So there's your other swing tackle. And, of course, Chris Hubbard can play guard because you're going to have to have two guys that are going to be able to step in at any time when injuries come in. And we don't know what the pandemic's going to do, so are we going to – have a 2021 season that we've got COVID protocols like we did this year, or is that over and done with and, and beside the road? Uh, another offensive tackle is, is Ty uh, Netsky from the Bills. Now, he's, he's a little bit older. He's 35, but they can get him on a one-year deal for $4, four million, and he's a great player. He, he hasn't rescinded his skills any. He's a big guy. He's 330 pounds, six foot eight, been in the league a long time. But they're going to have to do something with, with the offensive tackle position to bring somebody in for depth. Well, I, and unless I'm reading this wrong, Cam Irving's a free agent. Uh, we want to bring him back and see <laughs> reinvest in that yeah. first round pick. I'm not a, I'm not a Cam Irving fan. <laughs> yeah, I don't he, think Cleveland he, he wants it. <laughs> it's like, like, remember when Zach Banner played for the for the Browns? No, how long? Who was that? Uh, Zach Banner. He played for USC. He's huge. He's like six nine, three sixty. Well, he's been playing for the Steelers. Yeah, he's and, free agent um, too, right? He's a free agent too, but he's he's got issues with that first step. He's not a good run blocker. He's a very good pass blocker, and in, in, in the Browns' offense, you've got to be able to block for the run. You've got to be able to pull. He's a, he's horrible at pulling because he's huge, and um, so. But those, but they definitely need to sign a, a swing tackle. Another position they're going to need is kicker. Do what do you think they're going to do with Cody Parkey? I I I want a kicker that I'm confident can make field goals from 45 yards and out and I feel like our coach wasn't confident in Parky from any kind of distance I think we saw that in his decision making at point sometimes um so I I would love to to move on from Parky and get somebody 
that I'm less nervous about every time he trots onto the field. <laughs> Somebody more consistent. Well, you know, they have another option. He's already in-house. Yeah, what, what were you saying his name was? You said he played, uh, he was 10 for 10 in the XFL? Yeah, Matt McCrane. Okay, so. He, he, he is an accurate kicker who can hit from 50 yards on a regular basis. Um, in his rookie year, he, he played for the Arizona Cardinals, and the kicker for the Cardinals at the time was Phil Dawson. He nailed a 54-yarder in, in preseason. He kicked a 52-yarder in high school. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so and I'd like to see that I get a shot. Yeah, he's already in-house. He's already been signed. So he'll um, definitely at least have a chance to compete for that kicking spot. Absolutely. He's, he played practice squad all of last year. Um, he's 8 for 12 in five NFL games that he's played. He's played for the Raiders. He's played for the Steelers. In fact, um, in 2018, Cleveland was 1-1-1, one, one, and, one, and they played the, the Raiders, and he kicked a field goal that beat them 45-42 in week four. Um, but he's got a strong leg. He uh, played for New York in the XFL with 10 for 10, and four of those kicks was for 50-plus. Nice. Yeah, and I don't. Even, the Browns don't even attempt fifty plus yarders with Parky. They don't no. even try it. No, and what no, we, we need is no. I, it's the, it's the those extra points, man. Like like you said, but like I want to be confident when my kid come, comes out there to tack on after a touchdown. I gotta feel like okay, he's gonna make this right. Yeah, I want to be able to go to the fridge and grab a beer when the extra points being kicked and know when I'm gonna come back. Not even look at the score. Not yeah. even look at it because you know that extra points on there. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, he's he's already signed to a two-year deal for one point six five million, so he's already ready to compete. Now, as far as free agency, the best free agent is Young Hu uh, Young Hoku. I think he just I think he just resigned, didn't he? Was it yesterday? I don't know. I didn't see about oh. him. I th- or maybe yeah. maybe somebody was just messing with me, but he would be an awesome pickup if he hasn't signed. But he's not going to be cheap. Uh, the Dolphins just. Sign their kicker, Jason Sanders, to a five-year, $22 million yeah. deal with $10 million in guarantees. So that kind of sets the bar. I think you're um, seeing are the, you, oh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Are, are you going to pay that much for a kicker? I, see, I don't think the Browns will. I don't think the Browns will, but I think you're seeing that around the league, I think the kicking quality has gone down a lot, and these teams that have a guy that they believe in, they're, they're willing to put more money into him now just because they know – you know, if they move on from that guy to save some money, it might be five years before they have somebody reliable again. Right. Well, you look at Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson started as undrafted, um, even though he was an All-American, two, two-year All-American. And then he ended up on somebody's practice squad. And then in 1999 with the New Browns, he was one of five kickers in camp and won the job. So that's Phil Dawson. Dawson. Uh, journey. Well, Matt McCrane was a practice squad guy last year. They just signed him to a two-year deal. Well, I'd love to see him make that Phil Dawson leap because, yeah. like I said, I feel like we're still searching for Phil Dawson's permanent replacement. I don't think we've ever had a guy that I consider consistent and reliable and good since he left. Maybe this is Phil Dawson 2.0. Let's cross our fingers. Fingers crossed. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> 
we need it. Yeah. But I, I just wanted to point so, out too for all the all the listeners. So Barry, um, check me on this. Monday this week starts the free agent uh, legal tampering period. Is that right? Correct. And then that goes until free agency opens on Wednesday. Correct. Okay. So we got legal tampering, which is an oxymoron, <laughs> and free agency opens on Wednesday. So here we go. Yeah. The, the the gates open. Let's see what happens here. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be real exciting, and I, I think the seventeenth we're going to get two huge signings. So you think right out the gate the we're we're pulling triggers? They did it last year. I love it. And uh, I think there could be four or five guys by the end of the day signed, and two of them would just be huge. Two of them will go, oh, thank you. <laughs> well, if this happens, we'll bring you back on to talk about them because you spoke it into existence. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to cover it next week. So, yeah, we'll have to get your take on it. Yeah, true that. All right. So, any other questions, guys? Are we all good? I think we're good. Awesome. I'm, I'm good. I'm pumped. I'm ready for Wednesday, baby. Let's do this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank – It'll be, Go ahead. It'll be an exciting time. It's going to be awesome. And I, I get super excited about things like that too. So then now I'll have something to talk about for the next few months. Right. If we if we sign a couple big guys. So um, I remember when we traded for Odell, I was at a I was at a Chili's, <laughs> and I was like, it took all I could to not like get up and run around. Yeah. So I'm I'm very excited for this week. Uh, oh, yeah. One one other thing is, what do y'all think about um, David Nagoshu? So you think he's the odd man? You think he's the odd man out? I I do. I, I like David. I think it is personally and as a, a player, I think he has skill. I just think, um, I don't know if we're gonna pay him to be the third tight end. Uh, at least not pay him what he thinks he's worth. No, especially not this season. Whenever you're looking at how the salary cap was adjusted, lowered. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just. Like we've been saying, there's going to be a lot of cap casualties throughout the league. We've already seen quite a few of them, guys getting cut, that it's like, oh, normally they wouldn't get cut. So I True. I like David, and I think he has a lot of ability, but it, at some point we need to see that come to fruition, and it just it hasn't. I mean, this he he had glimpses this year where he played well, but what do you have? Like He had, uh, what, under 250 yards receiving or something? It, he did not yeah. have. So, I mean, I just don't – and I think he thinks – He's worth more than that, and I think he's going to look for more than that on the open market. And I think just based on his physical ability, somebody's going to be willing. I'm not saying they're going to throw a ton of money at him, but I think they'll throw more money at him than what the Browns are willing to pay their their third tight end. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, you think about it, his salary, he got paid $3.03 million last year. It's jumping to over $6 million. Yeah, they they took they took the fifth year option to keep him in house. That jumped it to six million. Well, they're already going to pay uh, Austin Hooper over eight million. Are they going to pay fifteen million for one position, the tight end position? It's just too much money to pay, like you said, Blake, for a guy that's already he's he's not the lead dog. He's just in the mix. And plus, you've got all this money wrapped up in Beckham and Landry. And if we resign Higgins, that's going to be more money. I mean. How much money are we going to wrap up in these pass catchers whenever they're not all going to be on the field? Like we just said, Higgins hardly ever on the field when Odell was healthy. Yep. So, right. I, yeah, I just I don't see it yeah, with I think, Joku. Yeah, I think he's the odd man out. And somebody will give him a yeah. deal somewhere. Oh, yeah, because, absolutely. I mean, we got, you got tight ends like a Hunter Henry wasn't tagged, and he's a free agent. Yep. 
So, I mean, there's yeah. there's some tight ends out there. I think Njoku will go somewhere. Um, I don't know if he'll be the main guy. He's he's you know he was supposed to be that. So maybe he'll be that where somewhere else. But I just I think his time in Cleveland is numbered. Yep. And you also got to consider that Andrew Barry did not trade or draft Njoku. He inherited him. Right. Yep. Good point. So I'm I'm going to make a prediction that they trade him uh, for a fourth round pick with the Dallas Cowboys on a conditional pick that that could become a third, kind of like the Duke Johnson trade last year. If he plays so many plays and has so much production, then that fourth will become a third round pick. Yep. I think that's fair. Yep. I, and Dallas could use a guy like him. Yeah, he'd probably force there in that system. Mm-hmm. They haven't had anybody since Jason Witten. Right. All right. So let's uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. And we want to thank Barry for coming on today. Uh, we're looking forward to having him on again in the future to talk about who the Browns do sign in free agency. And then as we get clo- closer to the draft, he's got a lot of good draft info for us to get into. Uh, if you're interested in reading Barry's articles, go to dogsbynature.com. He's got a ton of good stuff on there. I know we use it a lot in our show prep. And then, uh, you know, just in my free time, when I'm jonesing for some Brown stuff, I go read his stuff. So dogsbynature.com, check out his articles, a lot of good stuff. If you like what you heard today, you can go read it. Uh, remember to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Please subscribe on YouTube. Remember to check out manscaped.com to get free shipping and 20% off your order when you use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S. Pick up your Lawnmower 3.0 or Perfect Package 3.0 today, promo code DOGS. Lastly, if you want to get your thoughts on the show or you'd like to record an intro for the show, remember you can drop us a voicemail at thedogspodcast.com. Click the link at the bottom of the page and just record into your computer or your phone. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys all next week.